We were invited by the Walmart team to pitch our product live on camera. And so from there, we got an instant invitation to get distribution through Walmart. Welcome to Food Marketing Nerds, your weekly serving of marketing advice and industry insights with the smartest minds in the business. Here's your host, Alex Osterley. In this episode, we'll be chatting with Tiffany Yang, the CMO of Sweetie Ice Cream. Tiffany is going to take us through how she and her cousins went from job security of the corporate world to transforming their family's 1970s ice cream shop into a modern brand with national distribution. Tiffany has a background in strategy and consumer insights, and having been on the marketing teams for the likes of Vans, Barbie, and Taco Bell, she's built a knack for brand storytelling in a way that resonates with consumers and buyers alike. She's been putting those skills to work for Sweetie, and in this episode, you'll hear how a brand video landed Sweetie a 1,500-store PO from Walmart, why grocery store shelves and Instagram actually have a lot in common, and what the most popular brands do that keeps customers coming back for more. Joining us out of LA, let's go chat with Tiffany. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to Food Marketing Nerds. Thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. So what's your story? Can you give our audience a little bit of background and how you got to your current position? Absolutely. So I am the chief marketing officer of Sweetie Ice Cream. We're a mochi ice cream company. You know, what's interesting about us is we are, to our core, a family business. It started in the late 70s with my aunt and uncle, and they opened up a little ice cream shop in Monterey Park. And at that time, and still continues to be, uh, it's an area with a really big Asian community. And, you know, 30 years ago, there was very little in the way of artisanal ice cream, uh, nothing that was... Asian flavored. So they really felt like they missed the flavors that they had in their childhood and were at a loss of trying to source some of that. And so they started to manufacture it on their own. And so that's where the company kind of started. It started as a ice cream parlor and then turned into a ice cream novelties manufacturer. And so it was nice because we really got a lot of support from the local community. And so from there, we ended up going into Asian grocery stores, independents, kind of all around the country. And so that's how our business started. Once my aunt and uncle got into their late 60s, early 70s, this was a couple of years ago, they were in the process of winding the business down. And that's when my cousins and I stepped in we decided to step away from our respective corporate jobs and take a step at being entrepreneurs. We thought there was a lot of potential around growing this mochi ice cream business into something bigger. The category was growing. There was a lot of innovation in the frozen novelty space, and we thought that there would be some opportunity for us as well. So yeah, so there we were. The three of us kind of jumped into the business, and we basically kept the brand, but reinvented a lot of it. We wanted to make sure that we kind of kept the roots of the business and the authenticity. And that's kind of how we started revamping the business. But what was nice is that, you know, I get to work with my cousins um, who I've known my entire life. They're siblings and they both serve as co-CEOs. I personally have a marketing background and strategy background. So I stepped into the marketing function and the three of us have worked really well and cohesively together. So what were you doing prior to your current role? Prior to my role, I was in a strategy and consumer insights role at Vans, the skate shoe company, which is very popular around the nation, especially I'm in California right now. 
very much of a, a California ethos. Um, so that I was there for the last five years as a senior director, and that was a lot of fun. And before that, I had worked for a number of consumer packaged good companies like Mattel. I'd worked on Barbie. Uh, I was at Johnson & Johnson, where I worked on Neutrogena. I had also worked at Taco Bell, working on tacos, chalupas, all kinds of fun Mexican-inspired food. So yeah, I've been in a lot of industries, all in a marketing and uh, consumer insights and strategy function. So how has that previous experience in marketing and strategy influenced your approach to building the Sweeties brand? Well, I think it's one of those things where I was very lucky to work on brands that people are really passionate about. The nice thing is that those brands are very good at brand storytelling. And that was something that I definitely learned from as I was able to parlay all of those skills into my current role. I think those particular brands are very true and authentic to their brand ethos, are very consistent in their communication and their branding. And so that was something that was incredibly important as we were starting to develop what Sweetie looked like as a brand, our brand voice, the look, how it was going to come to life on digital channels. It's kind of interesting how all the experiences in your past career roll up and you start utilizing that in, I mean, I don't think I ever thought I was going to be in this position to be an entrepreneur, but it's kind of amazing that you're able to take all of those life skills and roll that into uh, something that we're doing today. So consumer insights is obviously crucial to marketing and strategy, and it can get pretty expensive when you're with these bigger corporations. There's obviously the budget to do the, the studies and consumer insights research that is needed to guide a, a solid forward-looking strategy. Are there scrappier ways now at Sweetie that you're able to still gather that data or get a more grassroots consumer insights to inform what you're doing? You know, a lot of it is we're able to get feedback directly from our consumers now. You know, so we're able to kind of test and play with things and kind of react on the fly. And so we do it that way for you're absolutely right that we just don't have the budget to do kind of formal testing. But I think for, you know, the three of us on the business, we have a pretty good eye around what resonates with consumers and kind of our customers at shelf. And I think, you know, we're all branding experts and packaging lovers at heart. And so we really try to pay attention to, you know, the brands that are winning in the space, kind of regardless of industry. And we try to apply some of those best practices to what we do. Are there any marketing or strategy truths from based on your experience in CPG and, and these different consumer brands that seem to be universal between the brands that you've worked with in the past and the food industry? You know, I think there is. And, and it goes back to what I was saying before. Being transparent and very consistent with your brand story. What my old boss at Vans, brand storytelling was was something that he really preached uh, that was gospel. He said, being able to kind of relay that to your customer base in a authentic and transparent and truthful way is incredibly important. You know, in a lot of ways that drives passionate consumers for your brand and in turn drives loyalty. So, you know, if you think about it, all the brands that we love and kind of are, are thinking about and every single day. I mean, it's, they're made up of 
you know, the company's history, the mission, what inspires them, their goals. You know, you're pretty clear on who their audience is and who they're speaking to and kind of why the brand exists. That is something that we absolutely aspire to do and things that we thought about as we were developing Sweetie and trying to kind of call our brand history and the origins of the business um, and translate it in a way uh, so that, you know, our customers know about it. Trying to tell that in a, a truthful and frank and honest matter was really important to us. I mean, I think we are, I believe that we are the only family owned mochi business left. You know, a lot of them have sold out to private equity companies. And so for us to really embrace that story of our origins was really important. Um, and that is for sure one of the things that, you know, we embrace is our authenticity and kind of our, um, in the way that we develop flavors, our ingredients. That's something that we think about day to day. And that's something that definitely comes across um, in the way that we communicate to our customers, too. Was it difficult finding it, the balance between that story and that your family legacy and a more modern brand and packaging redesign when you went through that process? You know, I think it's one of the things that it's it weaves itself nicely together. I think we were able to tell a very cohesive story. So as we were redeveloping the brand packaging, we obviously wanted to update it. The original packaging was developed in the 80s and still looked very much that way. But we were able to keep some of the, obviously the name, you know, the original ice cream shop was called Sweetie and the brand still is today. But we kept some of the, the script in the logo. You know, we wanted to pay tribute to the origin of mochi, which is a, a Japanese dessert. So if you look at our packaging, we definitely overlay some Japanese patterns that you find on textiles, on kimonos. Just to bring that in, we tell our brand story in the back, but it's all kind of wrapped up in a package that is very modern. It's very bright. We thought about brand blocking and how it would look on shelf as we were developing this and obviously how the package and the brand would come to life on digital media. So, I mean, we've gotten pretty good feedback from our customer base as well as our retail partners on our packaging. And so I I'd like to think that we did a good job trying to bring all of those pieces together. Our origin story is still very much of who we are and it all weaves kind of nicely together. So when it comes to brand blocking and making sure that the packaging really pops off, whether it's digital or on shelves, what did that process look like? Were you going into grocery stores and taking pictures or how did you go about that process? Yeah, I mean, we we did a lot of in-store shopping. We went to as as many stores as we could from big box to independence to specialty grocery. And, you know, we took pictures of a lot of different categories to see what would resonate. And what was also helpful was that I had done a quite a bit of packaging research back in my CPG days. So you know how little time your brand really has to capture attention at the shelf. And a lot of times consumers come in with a, a very made up mindset of what they're looking to buy, as opposed to looking for something new. You know, I think that's why deciding on color was incredibly important to us, um, knowing that that was something that was going to resonate not only on shelf, but also on social media. We knew that Instagram was going to be our primary platform. 
and how consumers are consuming, you know, digital platforms that are highly visual in nature it was something that was definitely the top of our minds to in in terms of the redesign. So, you know, we made sure that color took up a certain portion, that any sort of pattern wasn't too busy. There wasn't a lot of text overlaid on that. And if it was, you know, it was kind of blocked off in a way that was highly legible. Uh, we also had the challenge of communicating uh, something that was still relatively new in the frozen novelty category to a custom race that might be unfamiliar with it. Um, there are currently a couple big mochi ice cream players, uh, but still we meet people all the time at trade shows that tell us like, oh, this is the first time I've had mochi ice cream. So, you know, you're competing against the pints, the ice cream sandwiches, the ice cream cones, all, all those products are incredibly familiar to consumers. So being able to try to communicate what mochi ice cream is on pack through illustration, through images in a few seconds is, is definitely a big challenge. So what else differentiates Sweetie from other brands and, and how are you telling that story in your marketing? You know, for us, like we're lucky to still be a small business where we're able to reach out to our consumers directly. So one of the ways that we differentiate is, I mean, I personally still look at every single email that comes through. We respond quickly. We like to think that we are just ha we're having a dialogue with our customer base who are just starting to discover us. I'd like to think that will still be the case, you know, even a year, two years down the line when we're a little bit bigger, you know, we pay a lot of attention to local sourcing of our ingredients. Uh, it's really important to us to kind of give back to the community. We've been in Monterey Park for 30 years. I'd like to say that we sustained a lot of jobs in the process. And as we grow, we're just kind of enriching the local community there. And when my cousins and I started the rebranding process, we changed some of our sourcing to make sure that we are supporting California agriculture, um, our dairy farmers, our rice farmers. You know, we made sure to support other small businesses that are sourcing some of our products. And then, you know, same thing with some other ingredients that go into our mochi, like our matcha green tea. We made sure to find small producers. So we try to differentiate that way. And, you know, granted, we don't talk a lot about it, but it's something that we're incredibly proud of to make sure that we're also kind of lifting up other small businesses. How do visual social platforms like Instagram influence your thoughts around both packaging and really just company operations in general? Instagram is such a key platform. So for so many consumer brands these days, I think for us, because we have such a fun product, you know, we wanted to make sure that that level of whimsy and playfulness uh, really comes through. And so, like I mentioned before, that's where, you know, the color and the fun really comes into our packaging. And when we think about concepting and storyboarding, um, what our social feed is going to look like, that definitely plays into it. If you, if you look at you know, a lot of the posts that we put out so far, you know, can tell we don't take ourselves too seriously. We definitely want to brighten people's day when, when you know, they hear from us. Um, we want to bring a smile to our faces and, and hopefully that makes 
you know, makes them want to try our product. So that's definitely how we thought about bringing our brand to life. It's, you know, we're lucky to have something that in its core is kind of very naturally colorful and fun. Um, we want to make sure that definitely comes across and how our brand comes to life. So before the interview, I mentioned that Sweetie had recently launched in Walmart. Can you tell the, the story about how that all came to fruition? There was a, a lot of hard work and, and a lot of luck that went into that. So Walmart holds a annual competition. They call it Open Call. And essentially the, the core of that competition is that they ask for U.S. manufactured products and small businesses around the U.S. to really submit an, an application to pitch them. And the opportunity is to be able to get shelf space and distribution at Walmart. We submitted our application online, really not expecting anything. It's such a shot in the dark. I mean, they're, I think, by far the biggest retailer in terms of like store count in the U.S. at least. And so we honestly, we weren't expecting to get an answer. We put together a great pitch, you know, put it out there into cyberspace. And we actually heard back from them. We got invited to pitch them at a local superstore in Burbank that was closest to us. And my cousin and I, you know, we rolled down there in our big cooler full of mochi ice cream and samples, dressed in our most spiffy suits and memorized our elevator speech and got ready to pitch them. And what was interesting was when we got there, um, we kind of found this whole produce area all roped off and, and you know with a with a crew kind of prepping and obviously we thought they were filming a commercial or something like that didn't think that was for us until we were invited by the Walmart team to basically stand there and and pitch our product live on camera and so from there we got an invitation to go to Bentonville and once we got to Bentonville we pitched with a bunch of other suppliers and we got a um, an instant invitation to get distribution through Walmart. So that was, oh, I want to say last summer. Feels like ages ago. But yeah, so it's been it's been a somewhat of a long process. For anyone considering entering a, a similar contest, what what kind of advice would you give? You know, it's um, <laughs> I think it's to be incredibly scrappy. Don't be daunted by the fact that you don't have the resources of a large company. I found out later that one one of the things that was so compelling about our application, what they told us was that our the video that we submitted was incredibly authentic and what was interesting about the 30-second video that we produced was that we did it completely in-house. We did it in an office. I had purchased a background from Amazon. I had no video editing or shooting experience. I wrote a script. We had a couple images that we had an agency put together. I shot everything myself with my cousin talking on screen and I learned iMovie over the course of a weekend and we kind of slapped together a reel and it what they told me was that it had a really good balance of uh, something that looked very authentic as opposed to something that was you know professionally done or agency made but also had the right amount of polish and I think you know, the fact that we were very genuine and passionate about our business and that that part really came through. So 
it was interesting to see what we had put together or stacked up versus, you know, some other companies had definitely paid a lot of money to have an agency put their reel together. And ultimately, they had their internal employees vote on which brands that they wanted to get that they wanted to win. So we won the internal employee competition and that's how we got that on the spot offer for distribution. So, you know, knowing that I, I would say don't be discouraged around a lack of money or resources. I think if you're passionate about your product and your business, I think that really shines through and you figure out ways to make that come to life. I don't think that having something that is very glossy and, and agency polished is always the key there. So after landing this deal with Walmart, did you find there to be challenges that you weren't, that you didn't foresee when it came to fulfilling your first really big box order? You know, you prepare as much as you can, but I think it's now that we've been in the business for about 18 months, you realize that nothing ever happens the way that you think it's going to having to grow our production capacity at that rate was a huge challenge. We do own our own manufacturing facility, but it has always been on the small side because that that is what has been working for us. And to all of a sudden land a Walmart deal, we definitely went through some growing pains and our first order be, ended up being a lot bigger than what we had anticipated. So we definitely had a pretty stressful, I would say like two weeks to a month, even though it feels much longer than that, trying to figure out raw ingredient sourcing, um, logistics, trying to get things, a frozen product shipped out to all of their distribution centers on time and trying to staff up very quickly and train people to produce a product that you know is pretty specialized. All of those are, I think, pretty big challenges that I don't think we necessarily anticipated. We thought that we had kind of nailed the initial uh, order quantity until that happened. So, yeah, it's, I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible learning experience. So when it comes to owning your own ma manufacturing facility, what, what are the biggest pros and cons? It's great that you're able to control the quality. I mean, we're able to oversee the entire process. So that part is fantastic and you know the obvious challenge there is that it makes it harder to grow quickly when your business is growing because you know starting up and opening up another uh, production facility is no small tax the the capital required around that the logistics the planning it's a full-time job for a team and so we're we're just starting to think about how that and kind of what that is going to look like in the future as our business grows, because we're, you know, we're starting to get to a point where you know, if we get a couple other big retailers that will probably be pretty close to maxing out. So I think it's something that a lot of businesses have to go through. You know, I, I also think because our product is so specialized, it's hard to find a co-packer. It's different if we were making, I don't know, yogurt or regular ice cream. Um, you can find co-packers to make it, whereas mochi ice cream is a pretty specialized space. Yeah, it requires special machinery. So it's, you know, that's where we need to rely on ourselves to do that. We can't have anybody else do that for us. Uh, so what's next for mochi? New flavors on the horizon or what do you guys have in the works? 
Yeah, you know, it's I would say product development and new flavor development is one of the most fun things about our jobs. And my cousins and I are foodies and we're always thinking about what flavors are on the horizon. You know, I think for us is is trying to figure out what is trending in the space, but also what really rings true to what our brand stands for. What's been fun is kind of hearing, we get a lot of uh, flavor suggestions from our customer base. So in, in wrapping up, we ask a couple questions of each of our guests. And I'm curious, are there any books that you've read recently or or really ever that uh, influence the way that you think or approach marketing strategy or just business in general? You know, one book that I really continue to enjoy, and it's less of a less of a, a checklist type of book and just, I think, really good storytelling is the book Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, who founded Nike. I originally got that book when I was at Vans and just kind of learning about the footwear business. And I found that I learned a lot from that book as I transitioned to being an entrepreneur, only because, you know, in a lot of kind of business retrospective books that I've read, they tend to paint a pretty rosy picture around the road to the company's success. Um, You know, some, there's usually a brilliant founder and it's, it makes it seem like it was destined. Whereas when I was reading Shoe Dog, it very much felt like, wow, there was no way that this company was going to succeed. You read about all the trials and tribulations and, you know, makes you think that this company, I mean, for the most part, was probably not going to be successful. And I think it paints a much more realistic picture about what it's like to be an entrepreneur and kind of the pitfalls of that, you know, very messy and and chaotic journey. And so for me, being an entrepreneur, it kind of set me up to know what the journey might possibly look like for me. I think that was a pretty refreshing take. So it's, for me, I personally took a lot of lessons away from that book. So with what you know now, if you could go back and give yourself some advice as you were just starting your position at Sweetie, what would it be? (laughs) Um, You know, I don't think anybody would have uh, predicted what 2020 was going to look like. So if I could have prepared myself for this year, that, uh, I mean, honestly, be ready, be ready for lots of up and downs. And just when you think the business environment, you know, couldn't get more challenging, it does, because we ended up launching our brand at Walmart you know, kind of at the start of COVID, when when stores were shutting down, when people were being asked to wear face masks, to, you know, to queue in line, we were very nervous about what, you know, our brand launch was going to look like. So if I could have gone back to try to reassure myself in some way, to try to anticipate all the ups and downs, I think I would try to do that. <laughs> I love what you guys are doing. I love the branding and, and the product itself. So where, where can people go to find out more about Sweetie and, and what you guys have coming up? Sure. Our, so obviously our website, uh, it's sweetieicecream.com. And on Instagram and Facebook, where our handle is at sweetieicecreamco, C-O. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time, Tiffany, and for sharing your experience with us. It's a super unique story. You are gaining these, these huge distribution deals, and I can't wait to see what the brand does next. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. 
And that is today's episode. If you like our show, please subscribe and review us wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Food Marketing Nerds is a production of Blue Bear Creative. For interview transcripts and other downloadable resources, head to foodmarketingnerds.com. 